This episode of Tester's Island Discs is sponsored by TestRail, a modern web-based test management tool which allows you to manage all of your testing efforts in a centralized location. To learn more about TestRail and to find out how you can sign up for a free trial, visit www.testrail.com or see the details in the show description. Welcome to Tester's Island Discs, your most musical guide to the world of software testing. My name's Neil Studd, and I'll be your castaway companion. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the island for another episode of Tester's Island Discs, where my guest today is Shay Crompton. Shay is a contract test lead who has consulted for some of the biggest UK household names, including Ladbrokes, Woucher, and Pottermore, the digital portal for all things related to Harry Potter. He's the director of his own independent firm, Crompton Consulting Limited. He's heavily involved in the testing community. He's one of the organisers of the monthly London Tester Gathering, and he's also a mentor at Software Tester Clinic in London and Cambridge. And among his many hobbies, he's well into drinking and blogging about beer, much of which we're doing tonight. Welcome, Shay. Thanks very much for having me. You have the rare honour of being the first guest who's been able to walk to one of our recordings because you're uh, literally on my doorstep. Well, it's, uh, it makes it easier for us to go and have a couple of beers together, that's for sure. It does, which is something we do fairly frequently. So we're here in my hometown of St. Neots, which you moved to a few years back. What brought you to St. Neots? Uh, well, it was uh, necessity, really. The family was growing and uh, we couldn't afford really to stay in Buckinghamshire where we were in Chesham. So we moved, well, we looked around for places closer to the in-laws as well as it needed to be in striking distance of London. Um, and St. Neots came up on Google Maps, quite literally by accident, <laughs> literally a slip of a, a mouse wheel. Um, and yeah, we've moved here as you said, about three and a half years ago now, and haven't really looked back. It's been a great time here, and uh, I love being part of the community. Yeah, without wanting to sound like the Sydney it's tourist board, it's an extremely well-positioned town. You're within striking distance of Cambridge, is the direct road there, and up to Peterborough, which is an almost equally-sized town to the north. And yeah, you're a direct rail link to London. You get to London in 45 minutes if you get a fast train. It's uh, very convenient. So that's brought you onto my doorstep, where we spend a lot of time socialising, talking testing, much like today, and also getting into discussions about music. So what does music mean to you? How, what sort of role has it played in your life? Well, music's been around my life forever, really. Um, my folks, uh, as far as I can remember, used to play Boney M and ABBA and the Beatles when we were, uh, when I was young. I've moved around the world quite a lot, and one of the things I found is music is something that travels well. Mm. So going to many international schools meant that I could talk to my schoolmates about their music tastes and compare or discover new music. Uh, this was the days of making a mixtape, the oldie cassette tape, and uh, giving it to someone, and yeah. Work-wise, music is something that I use for focusing and uh, giving me a bit of a pick-me-up. What I'll quite often do is put on my favourite songs, drown out some of the outside sounds to help me focus on whatever I'm doing at the time, be it testing or writing the dreaded reports <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and that's the reason you're here. We're going to talk about what some of these songs are that get you through those moments and what they mean to you. And after that, we'll go into some discussion about your role as a consultant slash contractor, and particularly around the roles you've done as a test lead in your time. But before we do that, we've got a moment of Tester's Island Discs history, because this is the first song that has been picked by two different guests. 
And which song is that? Of all the ones that have been on in the nine episodes so far, so that is Quick Maths, 45 songs. What is the first one to be appearing twice? So this is ACDC's Awesome Thunderstruck. I remember listening to Paul talk about Thunderstruck, and I, I listened to it again today before coming over. Like Paul said, The Razor's Edge was an amazing album. It was almost a comeback album for ACDC, and certainly one that uh, featured heavily in my life as a teenager. It's a real start-up song, so you put it on and you're ready to get going. The, the Just the opening first couple of bars of that really get me going. Plus, ACDC is my favourite band. I love what they do. I love the words they use and how smart they are with their words they're never swearing in their any of their songs it's all innuendo and metaphor which i find it makes me smile whenever i'm i've i've catch myself out hearing a new euphemism or whatever for the first time it's uh, it's quite quite amusing That was, once again, ACDC with Thunderstruck, picked by Shay and also previously by Paul Grazafi. Now, Shay, you spent a lot of your career being a consultant and or a contractor. That's something that I've done previously in a permanent role. So I've worked for a company that has contracted me out to other companies. So I've been a full-time employee who's had the benefit of contracting. But I kind of got the buzz for it. And I would really like to go independent myself sometime. It's probably the next job I will do will be as an independent consultant. But there are so many things that, that seem to scare me about that. Some of those are financial, some of them around like insecurity, around, you know, where's the next paycheck coming from sometimes. How many of those sort of challenges have you encountered and do you think they, they're surmountable? Well, at the moment, I'm encountering them all because <laughs> I've just had to submit my first tax return as an owner of my own company. Uh, it was quite daunting. I have to say, though, I've got a pretty good accountant who was uh, recommended to me at the beginning and I've stuck with them. I don't think I could have uh, got to this point without that kind of expertise available to me. My life is too hectic to also have to worry about all of those kind of uh, financial side of things and when to give her madge all of her, all of my money. Other challenges are, um, well, you are your own boss, so you are responsible for finding your next gig. Even if you are hired through a recruitment firm, you still have to keep them in line, inform them where, where you're going next and uh, or that it's time to get out and things like that. And I guess that's the same as if you're in permanent employment. You get to know who the good recruiters are and there are people who can put you in good contract placements and you, you maintain a tight network, be that through LinkedIn or through personal contacts, finding the people who can get you the jobs that you want and that suit you. Yes, and uh, going back to one of your original points is what, what made the, gets you to make the switch. And for me, it was knowing a couple of good recruiters, knowing that they had roles for me. So when I was ready to make the jump, I had these guys backing me all the way. I think if I didn't have that backing, 
I'd still be a permanent employee. Mm. And I'm sure there are a few of us out there, I, I don't mind saying that I'm one of them, who still live a little bit paycheck to paycheck. Their, their, their finances are sort of in line, but they're kind of very delicately balanced. When you're going to jump into a role where you don't necessarily know where your next paycheck's coming from, how much sort of collateral do you think you need behind you before you're comfortable making that decision? That's the million dollar question, isn't it? It's well, hopefully a bit less than a million. But yeah. <laughs> it's a piece of string. It's how much you, you feel comfortable with. For me, I fell into the contracting side of things. I left a job without another role to go to and decided to hedge my bets on contracting because, as I said, I had these, these guys lined up, these recruiters lined up. I didn't have any war chest to deal with. So it was quite squeaky bum time when I got out there. But I was at a time of the year where hiring is normally happening. And there's there's those few points around after February up until about July. Then there's the sort of September, October time. Those are two prime hiring areas. And I came out just in the middle of summer. So yeah, again, very lucky. If I was to put a number on it, I'd say probably one to two months worth of salary available to you. Uh, And that's not necessarily just having it in in savings. It is just if you're willing to bite the bullet and go into an overdraft or something like that, go for it. And obviously that will vary depending on what commitments you have in your life, your dependents and that sort of thing. Uh, Yeah, you're right. There's, There's no magic number, I don't think. And we'll talk a bit more about the day in the life of a typical consultant and some of the roles that you've been doing after we hear about your second song selection. So my second song is Foo Fighters Learn to Fly. Now the first time I heard this song I wasn't really aware of the Foo Fighters and I saw the music video and heard the song and it just blew me away. It is just one kick-ass rock song. Ironically it if I'm on a desert island uh, learning to fly would probably help me get home. Uh, so yeah, it's a travel song. I, this just uplifts me every time. It makes me bounce around, tap my foot, um, almost sing along with it, which uh, I hope none of my colleagues are ever listening on uh, on me mumbling away because they'll hear me just going on to the words. Now I've done karaoke with you. I know that's a pleasure to hear, Shay. <laughs> oh my goodness. We, I thought we'd keep that out of this. <laughs> was Learn to Fly by the Foo Fighters and on the subject of travel you're a regular commuter into London what's commuter life like for you in terms of how long your journey takes what do you do to pass the time during a journey well it's interesting I've always had about an hour's commute uh, sometimes longer up to about two and a half hours each way you heard that right folks I have had a five hour round trip commute and that was that was yeah 
Testing my uh, patience. Did that have stages to it? Was like like you get a bus to catch a train, to catch a train, to catch a tube? Yes, it, it was train, tube, train, uh, including Southern Rail. So Oh, okay. So it's at least two and a half hours then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was actually only in a, about a 40-minute journey. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I've done it all my career. People do say to me, oh, I couldn't do that commute. Uh, how do you do it? And there are a couple of things I say to them. One is... You get into a zone when you're commuting, so it and it is important to get have a have your own bubble that you're in. Certainly for me, anyway, as well as don't sweat being late. You know, it happens. Just avoid the stress. If you're getting stressed about being late, then all you're going to be is one of these angry commuters who bumps into people and pushes people around, and you're not going to have any fun at all. From my experience of doing it, it's really important to almost cherish having that free time in your day where you're trapped on transport and you can't do anything else. Obviously, it's different if you're driving, you've got to concentrate. But if you're on a train, you know, catch up on a podcast, read a book, any any number of things that you can do these days. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've been reading a lot of books. Uh, one of the things I find is I'm kind of a failed developer. I've tried to learn Python numerous times. I'm doing it again at the moment, so I'm uh, trying to write a little app at the moment. So having an hour each day just to sit down and pull open the laptop is uh, is helpful. And we are on a reasonably good route here in terms of, I mean, we're not on southern trains, thank God, but presumably you have more good days than bad. Have there been any, any real nightmares of late? Uh, yeah, I do have more good days than bad. I mean, uh, travelling into London from here isn't too bad. There's been a couple of late days. Um, However, I have had a couple of nightmares in the past, which were quite interesting. Uh, one in particular was uh, actually just about eight years to the day. It snowed. My wife was pregnant with our first child, with my son, and we were both trying to make our way home from work. It took my wife six hours to do what is normally a 30-minute journey. It took me over four hours to do what is normally about an hour and a ten, ten minute journey. As I said, you don't stress the lateness. I got off at Rickmansworth Station when I lived up in Buckinghamshire. It was three deep at the platform. I walked straight to the back of the queue, straight down the stairs, into the pub, sat down, <laughs> sampled some new beers, came back. It was still three deep. <laughs> went back, had another beer. There's a pattern to many of your stories, aren't there? They do still involve beer. <laughs> Yeah, it's like American Pie, isn't it? And one time, when I went for a beer. <laughs> so some of these travel problems can be offset if you have the opportunity to work from home or work flexibly. Is that harder to do as a contractor? Because you know they're, they're paying essentially a day rate for you. They expect you to turn up at the office and be there. Or do you find there is some flexibility out there? It's quite interesting, that. I do find there's a little bit of flexibility here and there with, uh, um, with jobs. Mainly um, after you've been there a while, once you've earned a bit of a reputation and a bit of trust from the employer. However, it's one of the things that I do get a little bit soapboxy with in that remote working is something that can happen nowadays because of good internet, etc. And you can take your laptop home. Most people are given a laptop at work. Very few people work off, uh, off desktops. So it's if you, as an employer, think that your team is going to be more effective by banning anybody from working from home, what I'd like to say to you is think about how effective your team's going to be without those people working in your team at all. Because I think the ability to have flexible working 
certainly as a family man, is definitely a seller for me. And I think even more so as people are coming up, the millennials, etc., are, are starting to work, they need the more flexibility. You've got to be flexible as an employer. Uh, for me as a contractor, it's about getting in, earning your reputation, being honest with your boss about who you are and what you're about and why you'd like that time off and then remaining effective even when you're at home. Yeah, it's basically just treating people like adults. If you allow people to work in a way that makes them happy, happier workers are better workers. So I've always said this. It's, it's why I love the fact that I get to work permanently from home at the moment. It's why moving away from this position will be very hard to do. I envy you, my friend. Really, I do. <laughs> and with that, that brings us on to your third song choice. So yeah, this is The Who's Awesome, Bubba O'Reilly. I love this song. I love listening to it. Again, it's got a kick-ass intro. You listen to the start of it and it sets you up for the rest of the song. The long version of the song is is amazing. Just the sort of crescendo at the end, uh, towards the end of the song, really picks me up and, and gets me going. The, the scream by Roger Daltrey is amazing. That just wakes you up gets you going and you're ready to rock. It was also used in a scene in House, and I don't know if anybody remembers it, when House was standing in his office and he had his two desks and he was playing the keyboard uh, or pretending to play both keyboards and and that was just awesome as well. I really enjoyed that. So that was The Who with Bubba O'Reilly. Now, Shane, many of the roles that you've done in your career have been test lead roles. I've held one or two lead roles in my time, but generally I've been turned off by them because they feel like they're less hands-on. They're more about, well, leading other people in how to test. Does that seem to be the case in your experience or do you still get to be hands-on in those roles? It is a mixture. It's one of the things I like about being a contractor um, is the variety. So it is all about what the client wants. You come in... You're employed for a role and you need to produce. Sometimes a client will want you to come in and just lead their in-house team. Other times, which is the kind of gig I like, is you'll be the first guy in, you're the first tester on a project, and the only way to move things along is get stuck in. I mean, nobody really invites a contractor around to their company because everything's going swimmingly and they want somebody to join the party hey we've got beers bring more people it is we have a problem you're the person that we're going to pay the money for to solve it for however long we require you go and i guess particularly with contract roles that can be 
hard to make your mark if you're if you've been brought in specifically to do a particular project how can you help to make that change stick once you've left because there's going to become a time when they think everything's all right even if it isn't so that's a really interesting question i think it's all about what you bring to the role as a leader and as a tester i think you've got to be honest from the start with your client really upfront find out what the problem is and that is not necessarily what they are saying to you <laughs> and then work with them to move things along is it hard to avoid being seen as almost like an external influence if you've been parachuted in for a short time seemingly to make change happen because as you say no, no one brings you in because they don't think something is changing do you have to work harder than normal do you think to to find either that credibility you need to make change or to to build relationships is that can that be difficult when you're dropped into an existing team yes i think so you have to work the floor so to speak sometimes you're brought in onto a team and they're viewing you as as you said being parachuted in so you have to strike up a rapport with them then there's everybody else involved in the project and in the wider project for me I find getting up out of my seat, going and talking to people, drinking lots of coffee, having the water cooler chats, going out for breaks and just seeing who's out having a smoker. You don't even have to have smoke, but that's a good way to get to, to know people. Mm. Also, just having a set of conversations in your tool chest that get people talking. Where's good to eat around here, for example, is a good one. Or what was the last build like or you know something like that that you can just speak to people about and they get to know your face and if you actively listen to them with an open stance and an open face they will come back to you with whatever whatever information they need to give you more and more again and I like to be the guy that people come to to ask questions because I can find the answers. Mm, yeah, active listening is a really important skill because a lot of people just say it's about asking the right questions, but it's more than that. It's about asking the right questions and then listening to the answers and adapting your questions to the things that were just answered to you. Yeah, make exactly. sure you're actually being attentive. And we'll talk a bit more about some other leadership traits after we hear about your penultimate song choice. Well, this is definitely one of my favorite songs. This is Faithless with Insomnia. It's another brilliant song that has an amazing opening, a kick-ass tune, moves you through the song and then comes into the chorus and just really sticks it to you, just uplifts you and keeps you going. And I love that about this song. I've heard it live, not personally, but on videos or watching Glastonbury and it, it just made me bounce around the room. But now I keep myself pet deeper still the night I write by candlelight I find insight fundamental movement so when it's black this insomniac take an original tack keep the beast in my nature under ceaseless attack I get no sleep I can't get no sleep
That was Faithless with Insomnia. And before that, we were talking about what some of the most important skills are of a test lead. What other traits do you think there are that are usually useful for a test lead? Well, I think it's important to bear in mind that you're not the smartest person in the team. You are a leader and a test manager and perhaps an experienced tester. I've, I've been doing manual testing for ages, but I'm not an automation engineer. So look to your team for advice. I also see myself as a leader and a test lead that I should be an unblocker of problems. If anybody in my team comes to me and says, oh, I can't do this, I don't have this piece of software, whatever, it's my job to make sure that they have what they need. Yeah, this is something that I talk about quite a lot when I do presentations. It's the, the various facets of a role where people say, but that's not testing. But it's like, when you take a step back, what is the goal of testing? It's to help improve the quality of the product. And there are ways that you can do that that aren't just executing test cases. It's, yeah, if I can be an unblocker of process, I am serving a role to help improve the quality of the product because I'm freeing people up to look at the things that matter. Yeah, that's what it's like, isn't it? So nowadays it's no longer about oh, finding as many bugs as you can in an application. It is about getting the application to be as high quality as possible. And sometimes that is just doing the legwork down to network services or whatever and getting a port opened up or fixing the Wi-Fi or, or just going and buying an HDMI cable so somebody has a second screen. Something as simple as that can make all the difference to your team. And a lot of that involves getting out there, being happy to go and talk to people you've not spoken to before who might not recognize your position or who might treat you as a lower class because if you're a contractor, you're not there full time. You're not one of them, so to speak. Do you think that you have to have a high degree of confidence in order to be an effective leader? I think you certainly have to be able to give the impression of being confident. I suffer a bit from imposter syndrome. It takes quite a bit of work to go into a networking event and speak to people. Sometimes I just want to sit in the corner and hope nobody talks to me. <laughs> even now, even after going to the London Tester Gathering for nearly nine years, that still happens. But nowadays, I have a lot more confidence in who I am, where I am, and what I can achieve. And so I'm able to speak to people a lot easier without having to take five minutes to G myself up and get going. I think anyone with uh, imposter syndrome has to find their way of dealing with whichever situations uh, come at them. And for me, it's been speaking with fellow testers and finding out that many of them also have imposter syndrome and they have their own ways of dealing with it. In short, it's important to talk to the wider community that helps you with your confidence and then in the office space then you're able to find a way to be able to talk to people with confidence and therefore get the information you need or unblock the situation that you find yourself in. And it's funny how the conversation always comes around to this because as, as much as we're sponsored by the Ministry of Testing, I'm not deliberately always plugging their services but we, you have things like the Ministry of Testing Slack where you can meet testers, share these other stories, overcome these problems. And I think that's a really important helper to building up that confidence is knowing there are people out there who have been through these problems before and who can support you through that. And the test community is amazing at that sort of thing. Absolutely, absolutely. Ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, there's no, you said it in uh, the last podcast, which is one of my favorite sayings, is there's no such thing as a stupid question, except the one that didn't get asked. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid. We're all friendly people 
And the one last question that I have for you is concerning your fifth and final song choice. So this is Bow River by Cold Chisel. This is just a bit of classic Aussie 80s rock. It's a band I was introduced to in the 90s when a friend of mine came over to stay and he gave me one of his albums and I, I just loved it. This song, um, funnily enough, it's another traveling song, um, which is, again, you know, stuck on a desert island. What do I want to do? Get off it. It's just a fucking cool song. That was Cold Chisel with Bow River, Shay's final song selection. And the one other selection that's remaining for you is you get to take a book to this island with you. Is it going to be a book about getting off an island like all your songs have been? A little bit, yeah. I stayed away from what other people have said about uh, taking a collection of books with a Mora trilogy. Uh, I'm a big Terry Pratchett fan, so for me it would be quite a large bag of about, <laughs> what, 28 novels or something that he did. I settled on The Wee Free Men. Uh, it was a difficult decision because there are so many great books. I like Terry Pratchett's writing. It's incredibly smart and it takes place in a very well-developed world. This book in particular is about a young girl who comes into a world where she's expected to perform without knowing about the job. Kind of like consulting, <laughs> you know, so... A lot of it draws on leadership ideas of using the team's expertise to overcome issues and things like that. But it is all also just bloody funny. Really, really can't recommend it enough as a read. It's, uh, it has me laughing every time I've read it. And it's I'm on the fourth read now, I think. Fantastic. And I'm sure that's not going to be the last Terry Pratchett book to make its way to the island. As our bookshelf grows as the episodes go on, you can find the list of books that previous guests have selected on goodreads.com that's linked to the show notes and you can find all the songs on spotify that link is in the notes as well and it's been an absolute pleasure shay not only because i haven't had to leave my house or do anything out of the ordinary you've just turned up and uh, recorded with me that's great but it's nice to finally hear your views on especially the world of, of contracting consulting which which are really interesting to me if people want to get in touch with you about the sort of things that you've spoken about getting some advice from you about how to get into contracting where are the best places for them to go to do that well, I'm quite active on Twitter. My handle is at Shaymouse, S-H-E-Y-M-O-U-S-E. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm active not enough, but I like to be active on the club, on Ministry of Testing. I'm on both the Ministry of Testing and Testers IO Slack channels. Wow, everywhere. Just uh, <laughs> just come and find me. And if you can't find me by the name Shaymouse, look up Lifelong Pub Run, and then you can talk to me about beer as well. And I mentioned at the beginning some of the community events that you are involved in in London. For those listeners who don't know about the London Tester Gathering or the Software Testing Clinic, can you explain what those two are? Happy to. 
The London Tester Gathering is a networking event run by Tony Bruce and myself. At the moment, we're working very hard to make it a monthly event. We have a couple of great speakers each time. It's a very open event that you can come and chat with people. Come and find me if you just want to chat. I love talking about testing and about uh, everything, particularly if you're a new tester. Please come along. The Software Tester Clinic is something I'm incredibly passionate about. I'm proud to be a mentor at the Software Tester Clinic in London and equally as proud to be a mentor at the Software Tester Clinic in Cambridge, which has just started up. It's a really good place if you are just starting out in testing and want to get to know a bit more about the various skills involved in testing. It is also a good place if you are an experienced tester and want to know a bit more about certain areas. You don't always have to choose to be a mentor or a student and it's a safe space, which means you will not be judged for whatever you say or any of the answers you give on the evening to any of the questions asked or the or the exercise that you do. So do come along and come and join us and have a really cool time. Yes, the Software Tester Clinic, for those who don't know, is popping up all around the country at the moment. There's a chapter that's just sprung up in Manchester. Brighton have just recently started a series as well, also in Glasgow. And you can find all the details about that at softwaretestingclinic.com. It's been a pleasure as always, Shay, and now we can crack open some more beers, as is the way. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. It really has. And I'll speak to you all in two weeks' time. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Testers Island Discs is brought to you in association with the Ministry of Testing, written and produced by Neil Studd. Theme music by Tony Lovich. Follow us on Twitter at Testers Island. Edit this out, make it sound like we know about music. Yeah, yeah, yeah.